Hi everyone. Welcome to the Simply Lighthearted Podcast. I'm Leora. I want to tell you a little bit more about this show and where it came from and the ideas I have behind it. For a long time, I've just really felt this pull in my life to share more stories in a simple way. I think that storytelling is just such an important thing uh, that we all need for our hearts to feel lighter, to connect, and I just have grown to really love storytelling. Over the last 10 years of my life, I have spent um, most of my weeks telling Bible stories to children, and I've just really grown to love uh, the simple stories that lift us up and make us feel connected to one another. I think it's really important to have places and spaces that we can go when we're feeling heavy and that we can go to a place where we can feel lighthearted. So here we are on the very first episode of the Simply Lighthearted podcast. Thanks for joining me on this journey uh, towards simple lightheartedness through stories. So take a deep breath and let's dive into this week's story. Every Sunday for four weeks leading up to Christmas growing up, um, my family would gather around this brown uh, coffee table. It was nothing to write home about. It was this, I don't even know the shape of it. Maybe it was rectangular, I guess. Um, It had two levels and um, it was just kind of an awkward shape and feeling piece of furniture, but it sat in the middle of our living room for as many years as I can remember. In fact, it may still sit in my parents' living room. I'm not sure. But every week we would gather together as a family around this homemade wreath with candles on it. My mom would pull out a book on Advent, and every year she seemed to drum up a new Advent book she had found somewhere, collected from someone, or gifted to her from someone, and we would gather as a family around this homemade wreath. As we gathered, we would light the candle, and of course, it was always about the fight who would get to light the candle that week. It was always, uh, you know, this big to do as to who was going to actually get to light the candle. And we would take turns doing that from week to week. My mom would pull out this book and she would begin reading to us different parts of the Christmas story. And those were that was a tradition that I grew up with in my house for as many years as I can remember. It was something we just did automatically. And like most things, I think we all have things in our families that we do as traditions that we think is just normal and every family does the same thing that we do because it's our experience. It's what we experience and so we just assume that everybody else has the same experience as us. Well, as I've come to find out about other things in my childhood, it wasn't the same experience for everyone. For example, instead of stockings, we had couch cushions. I'll save that story for another day, but it's one of those things that we just grew up with these different traditions and you don't really know that other families might have others. Advent is something that a lot of families do practice, but it isn't a normal or perhaps it's not a main focal point of most families during the Christmas season. I think 
from my experience anyways, I've seen it become a lot more into the mainstream of kind of how people practice their faith as a Christian um, is to start looking at some of these more liturgical seasons where it's a little more based on tradition and other things. Advent comes from the word coming or a visit. And the season of Advent starts about four Sundays before the big celebration on December 25th. This Advent um, is all about the leading up to Christmas time. And for many of us, the Advent is a little chocolate that we get every day leading up to Christmas or for some kids that are now like getting Legos or these big things or even some uh, other elaborate gifts that happen every day leading up to Christmas. But in tradition... Advent is actually something that is more simple and basic. As a Western culture, we've gotten really good at big celebrations. If you look at weddings and you look at even Christmas itself and the ways that we decorate and we prepare for months, some people and other people weeks leading up to Christmas, we almost forget that we're decorating for one specific day of the year. We've made a whole season of decorating and getting our homes ready to throw this really elaborate party. We're really great at throwing external parties. And you know what? I actually think that it's something that is biblical. I think that God actually really loves a good celebration. I look through the Bible and I see him ask the people to remember him through feasts and festivals and gatherings of all sorts. And he just always has this, this just air of celebration that comes and this gathering that is so promoted throughout scriptures that it just, I think that God really does love a good party. In fact, we can even see that there is a feast waiting for us in heaven. So I think that this idea of getting ready for this big celebration is actually a really perfect thing, but we can miss the point if we only focus on the external look of a certain celebration. Advent is an invitation. It's a gift for our hearts. It's meant to create this space where we can reflect and prepare inwardly what is to come on Christmas Day or what did come in the celebration that we're having on Christmas Day. Traditionally, there's different themes that happen throughout Advent. Often it's hope, joy, love, and peace. Or sometimes people focus on the prophets, Bethlehem, shepherds, and angels. And I'm not really sure that it actually matters what theme goes on which week and what we do. I think what is actually more important is that we take this honest look at our hearts. Where is our heart at? What clutter has moved into our minds and our hearts this year? What has taken over and left little to no room for the message of Jesus? Does the Christmas story and hope that it has, does it impact us today? I decided that for our Advent journey together that we would first start by looking at the word hope and the idea that it can bring to our hearts in this season. Hope is a feeling 
of expectation of something that's going to happen, something that we, something specific that we want to happen. We use the word hope all of the time. We hope you have a good day. You hope you have fun. I hope that that is true, or I hope that that's not true, or what do we do? We just do a lot of hoping in our days, and we use that word and we throw it around, but sometimes I wonder if we actually remember what it means. What is hope in the big God story, and how does it play out in the Advent season? Today, I want to talk to you about two characters in the Bible. Their names are Zechariah and Elizabeth, and I want to talk about the hope that they had and perhaps had lost, but I can't know for sure because there's so little written about them. I'm going to lean into my own experience a little bit and just make some assumptions about their emotions and their feelings based on my experience. So it may or may not be true, but I do want to share a little bit of maybe what was going on for them. Zachariah and Elizabeth were both from uh, families that were of a priestly line, which means that they both would have come from families whose complete job was to help people worship God. Uh, they were the they would go, they would take turns, the men would take turns going into the temple and helping people worship God. They would be a part of the uh, daily sacrifices, they would be part of the daily rituals and things that would happen in uh, the care for the building itself and then also for the different types of worship that would happen throughout the year. Um, they had a lot of responsibility over helping people worship God. And uh, both Zachariah and Elizabeth were both from lines of families that were, that was, that was what God had assigned to the specific tribe, that the Levites would be a tribe that would, their whole family, their whole job was to uh, be a part of the worship leaders of the nation of Israel. Zachariah and Elizabeth were from a town outside of where the temple was, and uh, they were uh, growing very old. They were not young. They had had no children. They were barren. And in that time, there was this stigma and um, almost disgrace for anyone that couldn't bear children there was this necessity for your family, for your tribe, for the, especially for the Levites to be able to produce uh, offspring so that they can continue to do the work of God. And not having offspring was a very difficult and almost you felt shunned. You didn't fit in anywhere. And uh, a part of my story, and I'll share it right now, and maybe I'll get into it in another episode, but a part of my story and my husband is that we also cannot have children. We are barren. We have been married for 14 years, and yet we still don't have children. And um, so I can lean a little bit into the experience of what it feels like to live in a place where... Um, the world around you is experiencing something that you desire or long for or want and not being able to produce that yourself. And so this idea of hope in amongst a time where hope feels like the last thing you can cling on to and you just want to give up um, is, a, is a very real and 
challenging thing to hold on to. In fact, Zachariah and Elizabeth had come to the point in their lives where they were at an age where holding on to hope wasn't even just, there wasn't a reason to hold on to hope anymore. Their bodies no longer were at an age where they could produce children. And so Zachariah and Elizabeth, they went through their life worshiping God, obeying his commands, being upright in the law and all of the things that were required of them and still not being able to bear children. And that was a really challenging thing for them. So late in Zechariah's life, he's gone to the temple to do his duty, his turn. It was his family line's turn to go to the temple to lead people in worship. And there was all these different roles and responsibilities the different priests would do. And they would go throughout um, their day, um, starting their day with the sunrise, um, performing a sacrifice first thing in the morning. Um, And there was all these different things that were required of them and special Uh, candles that were lit and um, incense that was burned and different jobs and responsibilities that happened throughout the day. Well, on this specific day, Zachariah was chosen to be the one to bring the incense before God. And this would happen um, during the day. And he would would bring this special um, container and he was by himself in the temple, in the holy place where only the priests could go. And just beyond that holy place, behind that, there was a massive thick curtain that would separate the priests or the people from where the presence of God lived on the other side, on the Holy of Holies. And on this day, Zechariah had gone into the holy place with his incense. And there was this belief that as they burned the incense, it would make this smoke come up from out of the temple and it would go up into the sky. And what people would envision is this smoke would be like the prayers of the people. The smoke would go up into heaven and the people would notice and imagine and feel their prayers leaving themselves and going up to heaven. And so there's this visual that happens with the incense as it goes up into heaven. So Zechariah is in this holy place and he's about to burn the incense and he's in there. And as he's in there, he has a vision uh, of an angel coming and giving him a, a very interesting message. Now, the first thing that the angel says is, do not be afraid. And there's a couple reasons why the angel would might say, do not be afraid. One of them being that when you're in the holy place and you see a vision like this, sometimes it was a very like scary thing because if you hadn't dealt with your sin with God, there is a chance that if you coming into God's presence um, without dealing with your sin or your stuff first, that there was a very good chance that you could die in that holy place because of the distance between you and God and that sin that was between you. And so there was this fear of that. But then also throughout the Bible, that every time there is an angel that comes, one of the first things the angels say is do not be afraid. I mean, we think of these angels as these things we see in Hollywood, these beautiful, you know, like caring and light and fluffy beings but in all reality there are these majestic warriors that are like amazingly stunning in a shocking way um in a way that you wouldn't expect 
And uh, so this angel says to Zachariah, do not be afraid. And he goes on to tell him that his wife is going to have a baby. They're going to have a baby. It's going to be a son. And that he is going to be the one to prepare the way for the Christ, for the Messiah, that he's going to play a big role in this. <laughs> and so Zachariah is in there. And his idea, like, I can just imagine, they're old. They can't have children. Like, biologically, like, this is a, just a kind of a big problem for them. That how are they supposed to even imagine having a child at this age they're like grandparents age and it just they've lived their whole lives without children and this is just this is such so far-fetched from anything and so Zachariah is like we're old <laughs> how can we have a child and uh, the angel looks at Zachariah and gets very serious and says I stand in the presence of God and I have this message for you. And because you did not believe, I you're going to be mute. You're not going to be able to speak until this baby is born. And so Zachariah ends up taking a lot longer in this holy place. And the, the people outside are a little concerned because when that happens, oftentimes it means that the person inside has had some trouble or has died. And so they're a little bit concerned that Zachariah takes longer than he should. Zachariah is in the holy place and he comes out after this encounter with the angel, not being able to speak, but then he communicates with the people there that he is able, like that, you know, he saw an angel and this stuff and he just, they continue on with the duties and he goes on with the rest of his time that he's supposed to spend at the temple and then he heads home to Elizabeth. We don't know how long it is, but Pretty soon afterwards, Elizabeth does get pregnant and uh, she goes into seclusion for five months. I don't know why. Uh, I think maybe there could be a lot of reasons why. Um, if I want to put myself in Elizabeth's shoes and I think about it, part of me would want to just revel in that and just this excitement, but also great fear over being pregnant um, after all these years of longing and waiting and like just in utter surprise that this has actually happened, this hope that she held on to for years that one day she would bear a child has come true. And just standing in that and not really knowing what to do. Hope. Believing something, expecting something specific to happen. Christmas is a time of hope. Elizabeth and Zachariah's story is a little bit of like a microcosm, a small picture of what was happening for all of Israel. You see, all of Israel had hoped for the Messiah to come, and each individual had hoped they expected this specific thing to happen in their lifetime. But if you look at the timeline of all of the things that happened, there generations had come and generations had gone. They had come believing that the Messiah would come and then they would die, still not having seen the Messiah. And that happened over and over and over again. And that's where Zechariah and Elizabeth thought they were as well. They had hoped for this child and then were feeling like it's the end of their life and that this wouldn't come true for them. And Israel was feeling that. They're feeling that that longing, that desire, and not sure when or if this would happen in their lifetime. 
they had been in this place of waiting and they just ne- weren't sure if they would ever see the fulfillment of God's promise. Israel believed in God's kindness and they hoped for the coming Savior, yet they didn't know when that would happen. And sometimes that's a really challenging thing about our relationship with God, is that we know that things are true, is that he can do hard things that no one else can do. He can heal bodies of people that are sick. He can bring babies to people that are barren. He can resolve uh tensions in families. He can stop wars. He can create peace. He can do all of those things. And yet sometimes we don't understand why, but it just doesn't happen in the timeline that we hope or want it to be. I think that Advent for me is just a reminder that God is in it. He is in the waiting with us and he is in the tension with us. And sometimes we wait longer than we ever want. And sometimes we don't even get to experience the thing that we long or we hope for. But when I hope and believe things that are true about God, I have this peace knowing that he is with me in the waiting. He is with me in the pain and It doesn't always make it better. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it even matters. But I'm so thankful that I at least have this hope that I know that I'm not alone. I know that God cares about me and I know that he is kind even if the things that I desire or I want to happen or not happen, happen. Advent is a time of waiting, a time of longing, And it's also a season of hope. And so we're going to enter in this Advent season longing for the arrival of the promised Messiah. We are going to slip into the shoes of the Israelites who waited in darkness, waited without a message from God for 400 years. They waited and waited and longed in the dark for God to do what he said he would do. Will it ever happen? Will this ever come to be? Maybe it feels like that for you today. Maybe it feels like this darkness will never end and that you are alone in it. You are not alone. Your story is not over. It is, you, God is in it with you. He is there in the waiting. He is there in the longing and he is holding you asking you to hold on to hope. Hope is what will get us through. Thanks for joining me today and listening to my very first episode of the Simply Lighthearted podcast. I hope that today, if you came in here heavy-hearted, that you're feeling a little bit more lightness in your heart today. I hope you have a great day.